Podcasting straight from North Carolina is Dr. Jennifer Eichner-Lowry sharing her author journey with you. Jen Lowry writes is a place where amazing things happen for authors and readers together. The Holy Spirit is the ultimate podcast host. Jen is just the bird singing the song. She is a published author, educator, homeschool mama, life coach, and dreamer. Join her on the daily journey of discovering what this writing life is all about. Let's see what she will be led by the Holy Spirit to talk about today. Here's Jen. Thanks for supporting my Jen Lowry Writes podcast. My purpose is to inspire and encourage others to chase after their writing goals with faith and courage. By hitting the support this podcast button and with your monthly contribution of 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99, you are helping me chase after mine. <laughs> there we go. Hey, everybody. Hi. Hi. <laughs> We've got Ann and Sherry already in the chat. We are so blessed to have Ann Dalevy with us tonight, and she is going to share her expertise. And we have Michelle DeRosier here tonight. We're going to introduce ourselves, and then we're going to turn it over to Ann. Um, so let's start with you, Michelle. Go ahead. Uh, hey, everybody. Um, I'm Michelle DeRosier, writer DeRosier. I am a creator of culturally diverse stories from picture books to novels. And I'm Jen Lowry, and it's so nice to be around my WWJs after a very long week. Yeah. Happy Thursday, everyone. Um, we would like to first extend a thank you to everybody who came to the WWJ Writing Conference and then sent us surveys back after that closing session and said, we want more. Can you please do a session on? And so with those surveys, we have planned out the next few months with topics that the audience members have requested. And one of those was, what do you do with an author website? And we're like, we know the perfect person in the <laughs> that. And so now we're going to turn it over to Anne. So Anne, tell us about you, and then we can get started. Hi, everyone. My name is Anne Dalview. I work in digital marketing. I've worked at multiple Fortune 500s. I've worked at different agencies. I really help businesses and authors alike build their platforms online, as well as market their books and products to a wide variety of audiences. So I'm really excited to be here tonight to talk to you about the basics of how to build a website. And if you have some more in-depth questions, I'm happy to answer them. I'm going to apologize in advance. I have two very rowdy dogs, so you might <laughs> hear them sharing their enthusiasm throughout. <laughs> Please let them. Uh, <laughs> we are adding all of Anne's great work that she prepared for us. Hey, All right. So learning how to build a website for an author is extremely important. It is where your home base is for whenever people are searching for you, when they want to learn more about you. It is also a place where you can store your books so that people can get to know you more as an author, find your products online, sell your books. You can also leverage it to sell courses if you want to help teach and guide other authors or other readers along your path. So having a website is a really great place to have that platform to share with people.
So when you're creating a website, you really want to start with a mise en place. When the mise en place is like a cooking term to have everything set in its place. So the main thing that you need when you're starting a website is to have a goal and a message. Your goal is something that's really a measurable thing that you want to be able to share with people. So for example, you want to touch this many people in a certain audience. I want to share my devotional messages with 30 different women out there who are looking for uh, someone to know that they care about them in a relationship. That's a goal that you can have. And then your message is really around what is it that you're trying to share with that particular audience? What are you trying to get across on your website? And that's gonna be so important because that's how you're gonna build your overall brand. And it's gonna impact every choice you make as you're putting together your website. So some of the other items that you need when you're preparing your website is you need a platform, a host, tracking, an email list, design, and a domain. And those are really what you need to get started. But there is so much more that goes into a website and so much more that you can add on to this. But we're going to really focus in tonight on just what helps you get started and get off the ground there. So first step choosing a domain and a domain is that part of the website that says www.wjs.com so this is really the name of your website and how you choose this is going to tie back to your message what you want to say tie back to that goal who you're trying to reach and that's really going to help you form a brand so for me i use my name and daleview.com to share my brand with people because I want it to be focused around me as a writer. Part of the website that says W. And for the message, that's really what we were talking about before, really making sure that it's something that you wanna share with others. So if your message is around um, body positivity, then that can be something that you would include in your domain. And then the third thing, which is super important, is to make sure it's available. So if I wanted to choose like www.burgerking.com, I couldn't do that because Burger King already owns that one. So it really needs to tie back to you personally, as well as making sure that it's available to be able to purchase that. And there's typically a cost with choosing a domain. You can get a free one but that goes into a little bit of hosting and you will always have your host name tacked onto your domain if you decide to go with a free one. So when you're, once you have your domain name chosen, you need to pick a platform. And a platform is really the place where you're building that website. So there's a couple options. You could use Squarespace, you could use Wix. A lot of people use WordPress. There's a few different out there and just doing some research is really important to determine which one's right for you. So when you're looking at a platform, some of those things that you want to think of is your technical skill. How technical are you? For example, you can have a a website that you build on Dreamweaver, which is a program that you can build a website from scratch. And if you are really technical and you know like HTML5s and all of that fun stuff, you can build a website from scratch, then go right ahead, build it yourself. You're in a good spot choosing something that's really uh, high tech and does not have a lot of features for you to do it on your own. And then scale is about how much you want to grow it. So for example, as we talked about, there are some 
platforms that you can use for free. And they will always have, it'll be like something like www.wordpress.andaleview.com. And that's really great for when you're starting off, you're not trying to really grow your site too much. You're just really focusing on the message that you have and sharing it with a select amount of people. And if that's your goal overall, if you're looking to share it with family and friends and you're not trying to constantly attract new people, then having one of those free versions might be the best option for you. So scale is really important because if you want to grow beyond it, if you want to sell courses, if you want to sell your books on your site, then you might want to think about going with one of those paid versions where you can grow your platform even more and you don't have to feel limited by the host platform. Then comes features. So features are different items that you can use to enhance your website. So whether it's a drag and drop option so that you can drag your images around the screen and use that to show off your different imagery style, your design style, or if you want it to be able to have certain forms on there. So if someone you want to tie it to your newsletter, some websites don't allow you to do that or don't have an easy way for you to incorporate that. That's something that you need to make sure that your website has those features and you're able to incorporate them properly. Then the last thing is SEO, and this could be a whole presentation on itself, but this is search engine optimization, and it's pretty much how people find you when they're searching for you on a search engine. Now, picking a website platform is really important because website platforms, they have the different types of platforms impact that search engine in different ways and search engines look at them a little different. For example, when you pick a tool like WordPress, a platform like WordPress, it has a plugin, which is a type of feature called Yoast. And that, and that plugin allows you to optimize your blog posts and your content on there for SEO. It's a very light plugin and if you don't have too many, it makes your site pretty um, digitally light. And this is something that search engines really like. However, if you decide to go with something like Wix, which in all fairness has gotten a lot better in the past five years. So I don't think this applies as much, but it used to be a very heavy platform and the search engines did not like that as much. So even if you had a fully optimized site, they wouldn't show your page is high in search results, so you wouldn't be able to attract as more new visitors. So picking a platform where you can tell if it's digitally light or it's, if it's heavy is something really important to keep in mind. And if you use something like a free platform, so like if it's www.wix.hamburgersaregreat.com, it's not going to pick that up as much because it's looking for something that's www.hamburgersaregreat.com. It's looking for that key isolated word in your domain name to really tie back to you. So once you have your platform, you need to find a host. And hosts usually would charge less than $4 a month. I'd be surprised if you found one that was more. 
And this host is really important because this is what allows you to have that domain name that goes like www.andaleview.com. So there are a plethora of hosts to choose from. Some of your platforms will even suggest certain hosts for you. I use Bluehost, some people use GoDaddy, HostGator. These are all really great options to go with. It really depends on what features you're looking for, what kind of customer service you're looking for, as well as you know how, what works best with your website. There's also the option to go with a free host. And the free host is what we were speaking about before, where it has www.wordpress.com, wordpress.andaleview.com. Now, these are not going to rank as highly as in the search results, and these are not going to show off your brand as much. But if you're trying to do something that's more cost-effective, these are definitely more cost-effective methods. So the next thing you need to do, which is super, super important, and I think this is a step that a lot of people miss when they are creating their website or they don't think about this when they're putting their website together, is making sure that you have proper tracking in place. Even if you're not going to run advertisements or even if you're not going to work really hard to promote it, you still want to make sure that you're hitting the right audience and you're really reaching out to the right people. So the best tracking solution, I would say, in my opinion, and there are a few out there, but this one is free and it is very powerful, is called Google Analytics. And it is, of course, powered by Google. And it is a free option. And what I like to do is put it into what's called Google Tag Manager, which is pretty much like, think of it like a lunchbox that holds all different types of analytic codes. So for example, with me, I like to use multiple. So I do use Google Analytics, but I also use Facebook. And Facebook allows me to do different things through their platform so that I can get more information on people who are using my website. I can also promote my website through Facebook. So by having this all in one place, it keeps things very organized and it makes it easier to switch between the two. So for installing Google Tag Manager, you want to first create a Google Tag Manager account. So once you create that account, this is going to be what's allowing you to install this on your web page. Now, when you're on your site, you should know where the header and body, I guess, body sections of your web page are. And this is different depending on each of your providers. For WordPress, there are plugins that allow you to access your header and body. And it's literally just, it'll show you different sections and says, this is your header, this is your body, and all you need to do is go into Google Tag Manager. It'll tell you what the header code is and what the body code is, and you just copy and paste that in. For Wix, I believe it's the same way, but this information is very easily available, especially if you have your site, your platform purchased through one of these really common brands like Wix or Squarespace, WordPress. So, being able to find this is easy as a Google search to find that header and body. I know it can be complicated at first, but it'll make a world of difference. And then once you have that Google Tag Manager installed, you can easily copy and paste 
your Google Analytics code after you've made your Google Analytics account into that tag manager and it will automatically push that to your website so there is no tracking coding involved. It's very simple and we can revisit that after the presentation if you want to go more into depth with how to install this. So when you're within Google Analytics, it's very important to know what you're looking at because a whole tracking platform is great, but if you don't know what to look for, then it's kind of a mess and it's not helping anyone. So these are some of the reports that I like to look at when I'm in Google Analytics. So the first thing that I find is important is how people find my site. And how people find my site is important because it's based off of your source medium and it tells me, okay, where are people coming from to find what I'm serving? So are people coming from Twitter to find my website? Are people coming from Facebook? Are people just finding me through Google searches? This is what, it, this, is what this report is gonna tell you. So it's called the source medium report and Google Analytics has a great feature that allows you to track things within that report. So you can go through that report and implement a code within each of your URLs on your web page so that you can tell where each thing has come from. So if you're using something like Facebook ad, you can put your Facebook and um, say paid in your source and medium code within those Facebook ad slots. Now, if you're not using an ad or if you're not doing that, you can also still see this information and it's gonna automatically populate with Google Analytics. So it's still gonna show you that information that's very valuable. The second one that I like to look at is what pages on my site people visit. And this is called the all pages report. So it'll tell me what, um, which one of my blog articles are most popular. Do people even visit my service pages? Like these are the things that you want to know so that if you are seeing that people are not visiting a certain page that much, or if people are visiting that page but they're not spending a very long time on it, then you know that something needs to be fixed within your website and you can make those changes. Now, the third one I like to look at is behaviors. And behavior is really learning more about your audience. So who is new? Are more new people finding my site or is it more the same people who read my site frequently and are back for more? And this helps you because it means, it tells you the difference between, are you creating great content that keeps bringing people back? Or do you need to do something more to reach out to new people? The demographics, uh, the demographics report is a breakdown of age and gender. And I've seen this become really important with a few of my clients. For example, if you're a young adult author and your books are primarily for teens or your books are primarily for women and you find that 65 year old men are constantly visiting your site, then you might wanna consider changing up some of your content so that it's not appealing as much to 65 year old men, but it's more appealing to the people that you really want to target. 
And then the bigger your site grows, the more information you're going to get on demographics. And as it gets even larger, you're going to get more information on interests. And the interest report is something that I really like to use for some of my larger clients because it tells me what is it that people who visit the site are interested in and what are they shopping for? So if I see that a lot of people are interested in entertainment and books and they're visiting my website, I know I'm doing something right. If I'm creating, if I'm seeing that a lot of people who visit my site are really interested in finance, then I have to revisit my content to see why are people who are interested in finance really interested in my website. All right, so you also will need an email list. And email lists are really important for staying in contact with your site visitors, as well as to build that relationship with people who visit your site and create a more personal, um, a more personal brand with them because that connection is so important. With the internet, it can feel really cold out there and it can feel like people who visit your site are just numbers. And through an email list and really having a newsletter, this is something that is really going to pull people in and really show them that you're engaged with them, you care about them, and you're trying to provide them with something valuable. So that valuable piece is something that you really want to make sure that you have on your website. You want to provide something valuable for people in that newsletter. So whether it's a short story or a poem, or maybe it's a tool to help authors query something you can do to provide a certain value to excite people to sign up, as well as something that ties back to your overall message. So for example, I write a lot of articles on, on writing as well as the querying process because that's something I'm in the middle of right now. And I created an Excel tool that helps you write Twitter pitches for Twitter pitch contests, as well as I've created an Excel tool that helps you write a query letter. And these are giveaways that I'll offer in my email list every once in a while. So these are really great to incorporate because people will see them and they'll go, oh, I wanna sign up for that. I wanna get that tool. And then once they get that tool, they'll see that you have more valuable content and they're like, oh, well, this is an interesting article and they'll stay engaged with your website. So this is really the best way to connect with your customers and really connect with the people who visit your site and continue to develop that relationship. So choosing a design for your website is something that's very important. And this is something that I find myself preying on a lot because it is, it's really the face of your brand to the, to the whole entire world. So you pretty much have three options. You can design your own, which if you are really good with Adobe Illustrator, which is the only program that I've ever used to design a website from scratch. So I know there's more out there, but Adobe Illustrator is the only one that I know. You can design it from scratch there and really have everything exactly the way you want it. And then you can build the code in Dreamweaver and push that live. So that's option one. It is very challenging and time consuming. And trust me, unless you're a real expert at this, you do not want to spend long, long hours doing this. The next one you can do is choosing a template, which is the option that I like to do because it's low cost 
there are free templates out there. You can pay for templates, but they're very flexible. A lot of them come with their own SEO tools that you can use, which helps your website show up in front of search engines. They're also customizable, so not every single template will look the same once you're finished customizing it. So I really like to go with templates because they're a lot less time consuming and they provide you with great options. And then the third one is most expensive, but it's similar to designing your own where you get exactly what you want. And that's hiring a designer. So this is someone that you are probably going to pay at least $100 for. I would say you could pay significantly more. I've had clients who have paid between $100 for a website build and $10,000 for a website build. Like it, it really can vary. But I will say, once you get that designer, depending on how complex you want your website, it's going to be really worth it. If you have a really complicated idea that you wanna put forward, having a designer designed professionally for you, you'll get exactly what you want and make sure that you have all the features that you need. Just make sure whenever you hire a designer, you always make sure to find out how much it will cost to make changes. So if there's anything you wanna change on your website, if they charge you additional, that's something that you're really going to have to decide if that's something that fits for you. So if you wanna update some text on the website, if something's changed in your life and you have a different message that you wanna say, and your web designer makes you pay for that, that's something you really need to consider before going directly to hire a designer. All right, so that brings us really back to our starting place. So when you're creating that website, really think, go back and think of what is that message that you're trying to pull across and that whole brand image and tie it together it's going to pull in everything from your design to your platform, making sure that message is all one and making sure you're really getting across your point and building that website and what you're trying to share with your audience, who you're trying to connect to. So that's what I have for building a website. I'm going to go through the comments and see if I can find any questions. <laughs> All right, Aaron. Woo! Starting with page one, I can just remember how when I first started my website, I had no clue what I was doing, and I pretty much still don't know what I'm doing. And I kind of updated um, so I don't feel all over the place. I loved your first slide. And I love that this is recorded because I can just go back and recheck, make sure that I'm doing everything and really looking at the design element right now. Absolutely. Because I started tracking, thanks to you. I started the email list. You know, I'm better at that. So now I need to fit, focus a little bit more, I think, on my design. So, you know, I think that this can be a little overwhelming for a first time. Um, authors and people are going, wait, I need a website and now I'm think of all these things, but it's through steps that you do those processes. So yeah. Anne, your first word of advice for starting with that goal, that message, your first word of advice. What I, would would, 
I would always say start with your mise en place. And that is the header of the slide, first thing that you're gonna see. It's really breaking it down so that you don't feel overwhelmed. Building a website from scratch, even if you're using a template, even if you're not going in depth with the design, can feel really overwhelming. And what I like to do is put separate little folders of everything that I need to do. So I have a folder where I have the different hosting options on my website, how much each one costs, how much the benefits I like for each one. And then I have the same for domain ideas and I have a whole bunch of different domain ideas. And then I'll have my email list, the different email list providers that I like and all of that stuff. And I'll keep it into different little folders or I'll put it into a spreadsheet. So when I'm ready to tackle one, I can just focus on that one idea mm -hmm. and really take care of that step by step. And it's all gonna be saved in one place. So nothing is gonna go to waste. So when I'm tackling that domain idea, I go through all of those domain ideas. I can check the availability really easily. And I feel accomplished once I finally got that domain that I like, because mm -hmm. I've checked off one thing on the list and it doesn't feel like everything is coming at me at once. <laughs> I love that idea about keeping the list like that because you're helping other authors too. Because mm -hmm. then when they come to you, you can provide them with two or three different options. You're not just saying, use this, it's the magic. Because as <laughs> you know, there is not one magic formula. It's what works best for you. And you give people at least a starting point where they can go out and research. Yes, definitely. And I have built websites on all sorts of different platforms. And I used to have mine on Wix and I'd have a lot of my developer friends tease me because Wix was not like the developer friendly website. So, but it worked really well for me. And I would always tell them, I was like, hey, this is what works for me. You know, I know how to build a website from scratch. I know how to build a website with WordPress, but I'm not going to do that because mm -hmm. I don't have the time to do that. And I don't want to put the energy into that. So mm -hmm. Wix is what works for me. And I was able to optimize it and do what I needed to do on Wix. So you have a question. I'm throwing it up so All everyone right. can see. Didn't use any of the host. So yes, Rachel. So you bought a domain without Wix listed on it through Wix directly, and you didn't use any of the hosting places that were mentioned on the slide. Is there a difference? So there is a difference. It really depends on what you're looking for. So for me, the reason why I went with Bluehost is because they have really, really great customer service. So if I have an SEO question, because as much as I love SEO, I am not 100% the expert in it. Mm -hmm. But um, they are they have a tons of SEO experts in it. If I ever want to run ads through my website, you know, I can go to them if I'm having issues connecting my website with the ads. They have the ability to answer all those questions for me within that. They have auditors who will go through and audit my website. So all of those are really great options for me. And that's why I went with Bluehost. Now, not every hosting platform has it. Sometimes if you go with the one that's the best price and you don't need all that customer service, that's perfectly fine. That's what works for you. There's also websites that come with extra security built in as well as so they'll you know really protect your data. Some 
hosting platforms will even provide a privacy policy for you. And those are things that you just have to look for in the features when you're choosing a, uh, a platform like that. Mm -hmm. So Anne had a question too about when you were talking about promoting and doing the ads and you just mentioned it again, Anne. So <laughs> what's the, what's the range for, for those? So is it, is it expensive to promote your website through Facebook? It really depends on your return. So what you consider successful and what you're considering worth paying for. So it can be expensive to promote your website through Facebook. You can run campaigns as little, as little as $5 a day and see success. If your success is really getting it in front of a lot of people, mm -hmm. you can, it depends also on how you decide to optimize that Facebook campaign. I mean, right now, the Facebook campaigns that I'm running are running upwards of $30,000 a day. So it really depends on what your budget is and what you see is successful. My client is right now selling products that cost about $600 each. So for them, selling that product is really important. So they're willing to spend $30,000 on Facebook to not only get the product in front of people, but also to make sure that people are purchasing that product through Facebook. So having a larger budget to drive purchases is going to be important. But if you're trying to reach a lot of people and get them to come to your website, get them to engage with you, it's going to be less expensive because that's a it's less work that Facebook has to do on their end. And and are there a couple of tips that you can share if somebody were thinking about running a Facebook ad like um I don't know if it's necessarily what's more important the copy, the keywords, like what should people be thinking about? Yeah, let me see if I can um, actually pull up Facebook and not reveal all of my clients at the same time. Okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so Facebook is a little bit different than something like Google Ads. So Google Ads, it's really heavy on keywords and targeting like that. But Facebook is actually a little bit different where the campaigns are actually built around interests and audiences. So really understanding who it is that you want to target within Facebook is super, super important because that's going to be how you're targeting in Facebook rather than keywords. Um, let me see don't have a Facebook ads manager account set up this because When you are setting up the ad, mm -hmm. you're able to look at your demographics. You're able to key point, even like you can pick your state. Mm -hmm. Like you can say, yeah. you know, I write Southern fiction and that might, you know, resonate with a lot of Southern readers. So mm -hmm. then I can actually do like a demographic um, in my area and things like that too. Yes. And you can also target, like, if you want to target Christian readers, you can do that as well. People who are Christian and like books mm -hmm. is something you can do. I wouldn't focus as much on keywords. And then another thing you want to keep in mind is your optimization model. And your optimization model is the first thing that you're going to see when you start building out a campaign. And so for the first time, I would suggest doing something like reach or even, um, Think it's landing page views mm -hmm. just because that's something that you're going to hit a lot more people and you're going to end up paying less for 
Oh, we've got a new question from Sherry. <laughs> Is it difficult for moving from a free platform to a paid platform if you're plan if you plan to grow your audience, which is the best option? So that's a great question. So I would suggest mo moving to a paid platform if you plan to grow your audience, because that way you're gonna have the most control over everything. Having a free platform is pretty much having a platform that's owned by someone else. So they're not gonna be able to give you what you need. They're not gonna be able to be as flexible with you in order to grow that audience. Now, moving from a free platform to a paid platform really depends. So for example, Wix, if you wanted to move from a free platform to a paid platform, it's not that difficult. You purchase your domain, you can connect your domain and you upgrade your plan. It's as easy as that. However, if you wanted to go from something like um, Blogger to WordPress, that's going to be more challenging because you're going to lose your content and you're going to have to transfer over all of your content. So that's going to take a lot of time and effort on your part. So maybe a great option would be try out the different platforms. What do you think about WordPress? What do you think about Wix? What do you think about the GoDaddy sites? And Square, did, tell me yours again, Michelle. We Square are space. Squarespace. And, mm -hmm. and go and look at all of their different options and features, like what Ann said, and then move that way. Find the one that you feel like you would grow on, and then you can grow with it over time if your budget allowed for you to then do the upgrade. Yeah. So that's why I went with WordPress for, rather than Wix because it allowed me to scale more. Mm -hmm. But WordPress definitely has requires more technical skills and it requires a little bit more work up front to really get it to look the way you want it to look and to really get it to the points that you want it to get. So it's really so for me, I was willing to put in that effort and really that scalability was worth it for me. But if it's not, and you want to be able to just scale through something like a Wix where you can have most control over it, you're not manipulating the code as much, then that's perfectly fine. And that's probably a better option for you. Yeah, and, and I was just thinking that um, the work up front and the work that it takes to maintain it, because um, it could be easy work up front, but to actually maintain it just is a lot, I know for, um, Squarespace for me, it feels like it. So, um, Bluehost, I haven't had any experience with, but I might actually check out. <laughs> and that's the thing you're always growing and we're always checking out new places. Mm -hmm. um, oh, we've got one. Blogger isn't too bad because it lets you download your data and transfer to another platform user friendly with WordPress. I was a big blogger fan. Oh, really? <laughs> well, learn something new. <laughs> I feel like the upkeep is important, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Like there was a few months when I was so busy that I kind of neglected my home. And I really need to think about my home, my online home, my website as a place that not only do I decorate, but mm -hmm. I need to vacuum and dust and clean it and <laughs> And I kind of neglected it. And because I did, I had old dates on there. Mm -hmm. I had, it, it, it was a little sad, 
But I know that I was, you know, just not thinking of everything at once and I've put things on the back burner. But mm -hmm. I do think having a routine, a check of your website, of your materials is important. That fresh spring cleaning, the fall audit, mm -hmm. you know, all of those kind of schedulings that you can do. Um, that's where I kind of fell behind even over the summertime when I was home and not working a full time job. <laughs> I still was like, wait, I have stuff from a magical Christmas wedding up there, y'all. And it was it was June. I was like, oh my gosh, I got to go in and fix. So don't beat yourself up if you forget or if you don't. But like trying to schedule yourself out on a calendar of let's do an update website review, uh, update like a critique. I think that that's very helpful. Mm -hmm. yeah. And Anne, can you talk a little bit about um, what impact having fresh content has on bringing traffic to your site. Um, I hear about that a lot, but I'm just curious about your thoughts. Yeah, so keeping your, and I'm speaking as someone who does it for other people and not as much someone who does it for myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's all because of everyone else. <laughs> they make me do this. <laughs> but it's actually a really big impact and especially how you promote that content is really important for how you bring people to your site. So, and it's not just providing new content, but it's also refreshing your old content. Mm -hmm. So without getting too much in the weeds of SEO, when you're creating an article for your blog or you're creating any type of content, you want it to be able to answer a question. So whether it's someone who wants to learn how to write a romantic subplot or someone who wants to learn how to write a query letter or something like that, those are going to be new people, people who might not be searching for exactly what you have on there right now, but it might be some content that you had in the past. Now, within each of your content posts, you'll want to link to another post. So within somewhere within your romantic subplot, you can mention querying and link to that other post you made. And that's really going to start funneling traffic from people who come in <laughs> through <laughs> it's going to start funneling from people who come in from different pages and really get them to engage with your website. So the more you come out with fresh content, mm -hmm. you're going to want to make sure you link it back and that's going to keep pulling in new people. And then the other side of that is to really push out your content. So that's kind of the pull of your content. Okay. You want to push it out too. So when you're promoting it on your Twitter, on your Facebook, on your Instagram, whatever social media platforms you decide to use, that's going to be also important to push out that content and new people are going to see it every time. And if you're connecting with that right person, if you're using the right hashtags, if you're using you know, if you show up in the feed at the right time, you're posting at the right times, you're using the right imagery, that's going to pull more people into your site. And then once you have those links in there, that's going to push them to the different parts of your site and really engage more. And so every time you put out a new piece of content, you should see an uptick in the amount of people who are coming to your site. And along with that, I highly, highly suggest you push out content on Pinterest because that brings in a lot of traffic. It's a really great way that people bring in a lot of people to their site. Meaning when you're ready to share your blog. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go, Michelle. Go. I was going to ask, and can you just elaborate a little bit on how to push out content on Pinterest? Sure. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I'm going to talk about Jen's favorite tool, Canva. 
<laughs> Canva has a really great option where it helps you format what looks like a Pinterest post. And these are those long posts that you see on Pinterest. And this is going to really help you. You can use, you know, what people are searching for. So people do go on Pinterest to look for query letters and how to write a query letter. So create like a little visually captivating image that has in big words how to write a query letter on it. And then put that on Pinterest, add a little description on the side and link it to your site. And that just pulls people in. Oh, I love it. I love Pinterest. And yeah. <laughs> using it more smartly to tap. Yeah, that's great. Like yeah, Pinterest no is a great underrated tool. <laughs> I had no clue that's how people were doing that though. And I love that with the Canva link with everything mm -hmm. there. Okay, we've got one. We've got one. Rachel. For SEO keywords descriptions on a website, how do you know which keywords are best to use? Short descriptors or full sentences? What if you have a different what if you have different content, kidlet, adult, short fiction? Okay. So when you're creating a website, the way search engines look at your site is they look at it in a path. So they want to be able to easily crawl from one part of your website to another. So it should flow naturally. So at the top of your website, those little links that everyone has at the top of their website, those are called breadcrumbs. And it's kind of like the Hansel and Gretel story where you want the search engine to follow those breadcrumbs through your website. So when you have different kinds of content like kid lit and adult short fiction, you want to have an overarching category for that. So whether it's like fiction or writing, that's gonna be your overarching category. And from there, you wanna have a drop down that separates those. So then when you're creating keywords for each of those pages, you're gonna have separate keywords that appeal to those separate audiences. So for your kidlet section, if you're writing content on kidlet, those keywords should be answering questions that people are searching for around kidlet. Mm -hmm. So if someone is searching for best picture books for eight-year-olds, that's something, that's a keyword that you're gonna wanna have for your content that you're creating around best picture books for eight-year-olds. Or if you're creating best picture books for different ages or something like that. That's going to be the kind of keywords that you'll want to have within your SEO descriptors. And when you're creating those SEO keywords, one important thing to keep in mind is to make sure that you're answering that question. Don't think of cramming as many keywords as you can into your article. Think of what your reader is looking for and think of how best to answer what they're asking for, because that's going to give you the best type of ranking. It's no longer about the keywords. It's all about the customer experience. Mm -hmm. Okay, I just wrote all of that down too. <laughs> Every time that you talk with us and with the WWJs, like just so thankful it's being recorded for everyone out there because they can then pause and then go out and look. Do you have, so I know you gave us um, a couple of the, cool, the the tools that you use. Do you have any other types of tools for keywords. I know you had showed us some in the past that maybe um, yeah, um, I, do. I do have one that I really like to use and um, it's actually a Google Docs extension. 
mm, or an add-on. And let me see if I can show you it. Yeah. So I'm going to share my screen so I can show you this Google Docs. Um, That's a new one. Yeah. So this is from a tool called SEM Rush. And SEM Rush is a paid tool. They have very limited free options. And it's one of my favorite tools, but it does cost money. However, this tiny portion of SEM Rush is very powerful and it is free. And you can go and download this from SEM Rush and add it to your add-ons in Google Docs. So if you are using something that is not WordPress, because WordPress has an extension that's identical to this called Yoast, you can actually download this into your Google Docs and get the same experience. So it's called SEM Rush SEO Writing Assistant. Ooh, ooh, ooh. <laughs> so I absolutely love this because it allows you to do all sorts of different information here. You can adjust your tone of voice, your originality, all of this stuff and really start to optimize your SEO. So I don't know if it's gonna let me do it. This is not my, it's been a while since I've used this one. Okay, yes, I can log into this. So this is where you're writing, what you're gonna write about. So best picture books for eight year olds. So you can enter as many keywords as you want. And then as you are starting to write, it's going to, oh man, it's making you pay for it now. Well, <clears throat> it will give you, as you're writing, it will give you ideas on how original this is. If you're including the keyword frequently enough, if your tone, how your tone is ranking, so these, this is such a great tool to use. Let me see how much it costs now. It used to be free. It caught on. Caught it's on to how free. good it is. <laughs> hmm. Upgrade to Guru. It'd be nice if they told you the price. Oh, here. Oh. $200, so a month, excellent. So maybe that's not the best one, <laughs> but we for did learn beginners, something. For us beginners starting out, you said Yoast had something Yoast. that was very similar to that, right? So we have a yeah. beginner tool. So Yoast is a lot better. And there is a paid version of Yoast, but I use Yoast regularly, so this is something that I do know is still free. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so I use this as a plugin on my WordPress site. And this allows you to do the same things. It allows you to look at how you're spacing your art article. Are you using enough spaces? Are you including the keyword enough times? Are you linking out to enough sites? Are you linking back to enough of your blog articles? It really keeps you on track when you're writing an article to optimize it for SEO. And this is only for WordPress, you said? This is only for WordPress, yes. Okay. But, you know, what you could do is you could set up a WordPress site and 
build your articles in with Yoast and then copy and paste them over. Yep. <laughs> so I actually have a WordPress that I have a free site. I have a blog there because that's how I kind of started off. And I just put my poetry, put my blogs up there. I have my links. I put, you know, check out this new podcast and all of that. And then that WordPress is attached to my GoDaddy and it shows up as a blog over there as it refreshes on like a, a, a running feed. Because it's like I don't want to give away WordPress. I have all, you know what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. when, so when I first started out, I didn't understand that I could have a hosting platform where I could do it all, where I could actually have a website and have a blog and do all of that. I honestly did not understand it. And I was just like, okay, I need the blog. I didn't realize that the blog and the website could have all fit together. So that just shows my limited tech understanding back in 2014. So I'm still kind of running that blog, but I also run that website in a, and I hook it in. But I never use it as a website. Isn't that strange? I'm sure <laughs> I'm the only one that's ever done that. I mean, I honestly just wow. didn't, like, I didn't know. I was like, oh, I want to write some things. I want to write a blog. I want to write some poetry. <laughs> What do I do? And they're like, be a blogger. And I'm like, okay. So now I just start writing these things, sending them out. And then next thing I know, I was like, oh, I need a website. I don't know why I didn't think I could have built around that. <laughs> it was just so funny how you look back at your journey when you just don't have people in your path that you can bounce off ideas with. Like I had no one in my writing circle. And so I couldn't go to them and say, hey, what's up? Well, how are you doing managing this, that, and the other? So yeah. and then I didn't know YouTube existed with Author Worlds and AuthorTube. Mm -hmm. And so I was just so limited. That's why I love, Anne, that you're so willing to share. Of course. <laughs> like, here's the information. Here's, here's a way that you can start tackling some of this. And then there's always room for us all to grow. I think this is like the never-ending story. Absolutely. So any, any last tips for us? Any last questions from our audience? Thank you guys for being with us tonight. Yeah. yeah thanks so much. Thank, I'm just seeing if I can pull up Yoast now to see so you can get a little sneak peek at what it looks like. Oh, pull it up. So I want to pull up a good article, but I don't want to pull up something that's not optimized. <laughs> Here's one. Let me get this to load. And while it's loading, too, you've got a question from Sherry. Oh. So do you select your host first or your platform? So kind of like what I was saying where I like to put everything in a spreadsheet or in different folders so I can tackle them one at a time. If you do that, there's no pressure in which you should select first. However, I would say when you're looking at your platform, a lot of platforms offer hosting. So that's something to keep in mind if you really like the services offered by your platform to keep that in mind when you're looking for a host and how the host and how a different host, if you decide not to go with the platform host, how a different host can connect to that host. 
So making sure that they are compatible is important. So you can start looking at a platform and decide on your host based off of that, based off the platform you like, or if you care more about the host and that's something that you're more passionate about, look at the host and find the platform that's compatible. Mm -hmm. All right, let me share my screen again. So here is the, one of my articles on WordPress. This is the back end of it. And when you scroll all the way down to the bottom, I have my plugin called Yoast SEO. And here is where I wrote my key, my keyword. That's what my article is really based around. So I'm writing about the Amazon algorithm. Okay. And so this is what shows me, it shows me how it's gonna show up when someone is searching for the Amazon algorithm. So making sure that my website pops here. And this little green smiley face shows me how well I'm incorporating the different components of SEO. So I need to work on my internal linking, which means linking to other blog pages, other blogs I have, or other pages on my website. And then it's saying that I need to use my keywords more in my different headlines. So in these headlines here. Okay. And then I'm doing an okay job because I did use a, my key phrase in the title, but it didn't. I didn't use it at the beginning. So I started with a writer's guide to understanding the al Amazon algorithm. And uh -huh. it wants me to start with Amazon algorithm. So maybe if I did like Amazon algorithm colon a writer's guide to understanding or mm -hmm. something like that. But I then here's that. Yeah. And then it goes, breaks it down into all the other things that I did well. So linking to other sites, having, keeping my keyword in the introduction, keeping my keyword length at a good length, using my keyword enough within my blog post. You know, making sure that my meta description, which is the description here, is a good length. Mm -hmm. Not using this keyword in any of my other previous blog posts. So this is what's really great because it will scan everything on my site and making sure that my content isn't repetitive. Making sure that my article is long enough making sure that I have a long enough title and it's performing well, and then making sure that I have the keyword within the URL here. <laughs> it does so. all of those that work for you. And the more you see that outline like that, when you go to write your next blog, mm -hmm. those things will just start coming into your mind. It'll start training you, just like I think Grammarly and Pro Writing Aid helps train us when we're editing, I think this is a great training exercise for us to do this Yoast. And I'm, yeah. I've never heard of this one before. So got yeah. it. And it also helps you, you know, keep passive voice out of your articles, making sure that your sentences are buried up enough It making sure that you don't have paragraphs that are too long. So it, it does a lot. And it'll even show you. So if you're not doing something right, it'll show you where you're not doing that right. <laughs> Oh, wow. 
Yeah. So it'll call I, you I out too. Codes and I need the smiley faces. That's. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's so it really helps. I I don't know what I would do without it. And so websites are so important for authors. It's just a work in progress. We learn. We continue to ask for critiques. Like, what would you suggest about critiquing your website? Like, I would, I would say to come up with a checklist of things that are important to go over for your website, and tie that back to what you first started with. What is your message? Mm -hmm. Do all of your articles relate to your message? Does everything tie back to your goal? Where are you with hitting that goal that you set for yourself? Are you hitting it? Have you surpassed it? Do you need to set a new goal for yourself? You know, making sure that that checklist is based off of around those things. Is your domain tied to everything? Is your design serving its purpose? And then using those tools, like those tracking tools to making sure that, you know, you're on the right path. So are people from the right age group hitting your website? Are, you know, are you hitting enough different platforms? Are people coming in, say tons of people are coming in from Pinterest, but mm -hmm. you're posting all the time on Twitter about your website and you get like two people coming in from Twitter. That might tell you Twitter's not the platform for you. Focus more of your attention on Pinterest. Yeah. So, you know, making sure you go through all of that and then auditing your articles, making sure you're linking back to each other. Mm -hmm. If I have one on writing a synopsis and writing a query, I'm going to want to tie those two together. Mm -hmm. So going back and checking those things is really important. I love it. And if I would have been able to write fast enough, we could have just had the WWJ checklist of all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pause this, put Anne in slow motion, and I'm going to open that up for us guys. And then Anne has just created a freebie that she can give out to her email. <laughs> I share your long list, Anne. Um, all good it's all pertinent for us and it's just stuff that we might not just think about because it's about the, the viewer and the reader experience the you know the visitor experience and we want to keep people coming back to our home and that's one thing i would never want to do is is make my home not an inviting place so all right guys we have wrapped up our hour tonight on mm -hmm. our Working session, and thank you so much, Michelle. Thanks for being here. Thank and, you. And guys, we love y'all, and we shall see you guys another night. Mm -hmm. Thanks for coming, everyone. Bye. Bye. Now that you found me on the Jen Lowry Writes podcast, I challenge you to head over to where books are sold and find me there. I've published 11 books so far, and I write clean books for all ages. Horror, paranormal, sweet romance, fantasy, historical fiction, you name it, I've got your genre. Search Jen Lowry at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, Kobo, and more. And for my Bible devotionals, you'll see my full name, Dr. Jennifer Eichner Lowry on Amazon. So I challenge you today to go out there and write something inspiring and share it with the world. Thanks for joining me on Jen Lowry Writes. You guys have a blessed day.